Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello there, my very good friends. Andy Murray here, filling in for Simon Miller during his well-earned break. We are, we're really going through the bald guy Russian dolls this week, aren't we? You start with a lovely bald man with the huge muscles in Simon. You you go to the equally lovely bald man with the big muscles, Gareth, who did Raw. And then you get to me, a kind of okay bald man with no muscles and a physique that is more akin to marshmallows. But hey, maybe we'll have to do something a little bit different at the weekend. But we're going to talk about... By AEW Dynamite. It was a good episode of AEW Dynamite. Let's have some fun with it. As you know, up is good. Look, we got the colors in the studio and everything. It's a, it's a good time. Up is good, down is bad. The eel is here. He's really slimy. I've got a double espresso in, in case it all gets a little bit too much. Let's do it. All right, so this television show started off with Chris Jericho and Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Utah and Claudio Castagnoli. This is a long-running storyline. Various versions of this have been floating around basically for a year. <laughs> if you can like include all the Eddie Kingston stuff and factor everything in, different versions, different combinations of people. Here we are on TV. We're having this tag match and we're opening the show with it. Uh, last week, of course, we had the interesting stuff with the tension between Wheeler Utah and Brian Danielson and everyone's pissed, everyone's angry, everyone's all of this. And this was a really great, great way to open the show. This was tremendous stuff across the board. I mean, praising one individual component of it is kind of tough because when you do that, sometimes people go, ah, what about the other dudes? So I mean, this is no disrespect whatsoever to the other participants, but my gosh, was Claudio Castagnoli great in this or what? For me, this was one of his most impressive AEW performances to date and think of the ground that covers. The man is not a human being and he was absolutely outrageous here. Catching people out of the sky, transitioning into holds you shouldn't be able to do running around the ring at 400 miles an hour, decking everyone, hitting uppercuts. I thought this was an incredible Claudio Castagnoli performance. Don't get me wrong, I thought everyone was good, but Claudio in particular was just tremendous and it was quite appropriate as well because he pinned Chris Jericho clean, the Ring of Honor world champion. That's kind of a big booking deal. Of course, it was Jericho who cheated his way past Claudio Castagnoli, that scamp of a man, to take the Ring of Honor world title in the first place. So here we are, nice scene, Claudio getting a measure of revenge. 
And Luke, of course, when we're talking about a match that has William Regal, his Blackpool Combat Club, hanging about, he's going to be on commentary. I can't not mention his relationship with uh, Excalibur, which is just the most delightful, warming, lovely thing in the universe. It gets me every time. This week he said, you little creme brulee, I'd like to crack you and just let you melt in me. Very good, William, you saucy man, you. Him and the man in the mask, man. When's the wedding? I want the invite. But before I sign an up or down to this, we should probably go backstage as well, right? We've got Renee Paquette for the first time this very evening. She's interviewing Brian Danielson. Uh, he's there. He's touching on a bunch of different things. And basically, he's got the match with Sammy coming up ahead. He's frustrated. Wheeler, you to talk back to him, all of that stuff. Well, who walks in but Wheeler and Claudio fresh off their victory? Wheeler's happy that Brian Danielson's pissed because that's what he wanted him. He wanted him to care. But there's still a little bit of tension coming between those guys. Fortunately, Claudio and William Regal kind of get in between them before it gets too physical, before it gets too brought with tension. You'd imagine that we're heading towards Utah versus Danielson at the pay-per-view. That would be a very good match, of course. Just I mean, look at who's involved in it. Of course, it wouldn't suck. Uh, that should be a fun time. The, the story they're telling here is the kind of thing that I'm definitely into. Complicated, interpersonal dynamics in a stable it's all good stuff who knows what's next for Claudio man I, I don't necessarily think he needs a shot at Jericho's belt or anything like that I don't think you need to run that one back but if they did it would probably be fun either way he got the big win over Jericho these guys are gonna have a match at the pay-per-view hopefully it'll be the kind of affair where it's competitive and they hug it out or shake hands or whatever but it's a good stuff this whole deal the match the segment it's getting it up let's move on interestingly after that it's the elite they're on the show! They're back in AEW! Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are sort of here. Uh, they ran this segment and it was very interesting the way they, they put this together. They did the Thanos kind of gimmick. Uh, they disappeared in the middle of a bunch of stuff. It was like, I don't know, like a minute long or something. A bunch of highlights from the Elite's time in AEW. They had some press conference stuff from before the company launched. They had some in-ring successes. They faded away. Their voices faded away. It's all very spooky until we get to the AEW logo. It's on the screen. The A fades away. You can't have AEW without the Elite. So I guess the promotion is now called All Wrestling. <laughs> but yes, no, good good stuff. Um, it, it's really nice to know, and they haven't announced anything yet, obviously, but it's nice to know, seemingly, that the Elite are on their way back. Um, overwhelmingly, I feel a bit sad about this whole situation regarding everyone involved, to be honest. I don't want to start some big argument about Punk versus the Elite or whatever. I just want the people whose work I enjoy back on TV and for everyone to be friends and to be producing good work. So, even though this was a short segment and we don't usually go into this level of detail or whatever, uh, with those shorter segments, it's such a big permutation coming out of this that I have to give it an up. Sorry, the green light's over here. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rusty, I've never done this before. Let me be. From there, we go backstage with the Jericho Appreciation Society and Tony Schiavone's terrible microphone that, that doesn't really work. This was kind of a weird thing production-wise. Tony's microphone sucked. It kept cutting out and being weird. There was like a boom mic you could see creeping into the camera shot. But, you know, I'm not going to nitpick. I'm not going to be too harsh on the whole thing. The gist of it was the Jericho Appreciation Society are pissed. Daddy Magic is yelling because, of course, he is. What a great human being he is. Uh, Chris Jericho is so pissed. He's doing an open challenge next week 
Former Ring of Honor champion, come and fight me guy. Sammy Guevara does some yelling about Brian Danielson as well, fighting him later on, of course. Good little backstage segment. Sets up the next thing for Jericho. Gets some words from Sammy on the match. Daddy Magic being awesome. Good. Cool. After that, however, something I'm going to talk about quite a lot because it was bloody great. FTR versus Swerve in our glory now. The interesting... Or interesting is probably not the word here, but you know, the, the thing about FTR being number one contenders to the AEW world title has kind of become a meme, hasn't it? They've been in that position for about six months, they've not had the shot, they've collected seven million other tag team championships uh, since then, but now we're finally addressing it. Now, they're getting a contendership match, uh, they're, they're fighting Swerve in our glory, the winner gets the shot. It's good stuff, it's good storytelling, even if it took a while to get to the point where FTR have the contendership in sight but yeah what we got here man was just a really really fun match that played on the styles and dynamics of these two teams it's the first time ever match of course uh unless i'm forgetting something which is entirely possible when your brain is made of swiss cheese um literally i could if i wanted put the eel in one ear and he would come out the other i've just done that i have no brain <laughs> I really enjoyed this across the board. Started out with some grindy kind of work uh, from FTR, as you'd expect. They are that classically styled tag team. Swerve in our glory opened it up a little bit more. You get Swerve's tricky movements. He comes at you from all kinds of crazy angles and he counters his ways out of situations. You got Keith Lee doing that athletic big man stuff. He was leapfrogging both members of FTR who tried to hit him with the big rig early on. All of this great stuff. But the core thing with Swerve in our glory at the moment is, of course, the kind of face-heel dynamic. Swerve at this point is basically just a heel and he's great at it. He's owning the role. He is kicking ass every single week, taking these shortcuts. And on the other side, you've got Big Keith Lee, who's not quite jumping into that side of things. He's still like a good, likable guy who doesn't really know if he thinks all of this stuff is all right or whatever, but he's still profiting from it. And he's still seemingly quite happy to profit from it in the end. The thing I like most about this dynamic is they're not just like acting and all of this stuff. They're not just doing wacky facial expressions or whatever. It's quite subtle in the way they're playing it. Um, it's not too overt. They're not smacking it over the head with the idea that these guys are kind of operating on separate alignments. So I think it's very interesting and th this was a great match. And the finish comes through that dynamic as well. It's uh, the guns restraining Cash Wheeler at ringside. Those pesky guns that were dressed up as FTR. Okay, cool. Fine, sure. I think I kind of love them, to be honest. But there we go. Uh, and then we got... Dax left alone in the ring. He got beaten up. He had his, uh, he got low blowed by Swerve while the referee was a bit distracted by what was going on elsewhere. That allowed Keith to take the advantage, hit his finisher, score the pinfall. So Swerve and our glory, we're getting the trilogy now. We're getting a lot out of this actually when you think about it, when you sit there and you break it down. Um, obviously that is the, the first thing. You get in that title match, you get in the trilogy and the other two matches were really good, especially the first one, which I absolutely bloody loved. So you get in that, you're also getting FTR versus the guns which has been teased for a while but now you're probably formally gonna get that one happening once again that's gonna be fun that's a good time FTR love the guns they're gonna do some good work with them then of course you potentially have to go back to the FTR situation when are they gonna get their shot you can build that up over a longer term as well so in this simple result you've given yourselves a bunch of different matches not just one fresh television for months and months to come I think that's good. I think that's economical. I think these are the kind of details that matter in AEW and indeed in all of wrestling. I'm giving it up. Uh, I butchered that sentence. You know what I was trying to say. 3 and 0, baby. This is a positive day. Let's go. Backstage, Soraya with Renee Paquette. And um, 
I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on. Not that I thought it was a necessarily a great or a bad or an anything segment, but something came up in this segment that I'd like to discuss as a point later in the video. So we're going to kind of shelve that one for now. I did kind of like Soraya straight away when Britt Baker came in going, <coughs> don't start with me, B-I-T-C-H. I'm not in the mood, which kind of acknowledges uh, a trope that we'll cover later. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. After that, it was MJF and Renee Young who via the power of teleportation got backstage to the ring. I'm only joking. I'm not going to make a point about that. Um, the interesting dynamic here, of course, is that she's bringing out MJF, who is, of course, fighting Renee Paquette's other half, John Moxley, for the AEW World title at Full Gear. Uh, I mean, look, it's MJF, guys. What, what, what do you want me to say here? It's the easiest up of the, the week. Let's just throw that number down there right now, straight away, no messing around. Um, he comes out, man, and he does the mock, he does an impression of John, he walks around the ring, he, he does the strut he does his voice uh says i'm gonna drink your blood and gargle your piss oh okay that's a choice um and then he really goes into it um you know the big part of this ngf character apart from calling you poor obviously <laughs> and inexplicably still getting pops for it um is that he takes like bad things he's been through in the past traumas and disappointments and and and, and people's doubts and stuff and he uses them as fuel and he that's what's made him what he is today right that's uh, that was a big part of his feud with CM Punk earlier in the year. It's a huge part of this feud after the segment with William Regal last week, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, and he's doing it again here. He's saying he's taking everything, all these things that, that, that have happened to him, and he's building this chip and he's placing it on his shoulder and he's becoming a stronger version of himself as a consequence of that. It's, it's, it's pro wrestling, man. It's really awesome stuff across the board. It's proof to me that you don't necessarily need this gigantic, elaborate setup for everything if you do the simple things well it's gonna connect and everyone's gonna be into it and everyone is into it because listen to the reactions this guy's getting he's he's unreal 
MJF said that all he needs to be a success is a grudge. And he's got a bunch of those he's been saving up, building into that chip on his shoulder. He, of course, wants John Moxley at 100%, 110%, actually, he said there, at the pay-per-view, so there's no excuses when he wins. Now, this comes after Stokely Hathaway has come back. Of course, we got the disagreement between MGF and The Firm the other week when they, they kind of stepped over the line and, and, and attacked Wheeler Utah and all of that, and MGF was like, I did not tell you to do that. Well, hold on to that for a little while here. When Stokely Hathaway comes out, he gets told... Don't do anything later. Stay away from this. Go away. He's wrestling later on. I don't want him injured going into the pay-per-view. More on that later on. But yes, this whole deal's an up. What's that, 4-0? Man, what a good day. Up next, quick promo from the kingdom. Matt Taven, Maria Kanellis, Mike Bennett, Mike Bennett, Kanellis, Bennett, Taven. The kingdom are here, and I really like the kingdom. So even though this was a short segment, we got some back and forth with them. And Wardlow, we're getting Taven versus Wardlow on Rampage. That'll be fun. Uh... Just simple stuff, you know, back and forth, bit of bravado from both sides. I'm giving this an up anyway, because uh, I just really like the kingdom, and I'm glad they're in AEW. They seem like good people across the board. Uh, talented group, you know, when you, they were in Ring of Honor, obviously, and that whole thing disappeared, and it was nice to see them show up. It's nice to hear that they're under multi-year contracts as well. I think they're three people who have a lot to offer any company they go into, and yes, I know AEW signs a lot of people, but I think that this trio is going to be really beneficial. Also, yes, there are valid points to raise 100% about uh, the TNT title and the Ring of Honor Pure Championship while Warjo are a tag team, but they're huge and they're cool and I like that. So, it's an op. From there, Sammy Guevara, Brian Danielson. You knew what this was going to be, right? You knew that they were going to play up on the contrast between these two human beings. It was going to be the guy you're really conditioned to like, the really skilled, technical, hard guy, Brian Danielson, versus a piece of trash. <laughs> a kayfabe piece of trash, of course, Sammy Guevara. He's a little weasel. He's got the facial expressions. He's the guy with the face, the Justin Bieber face that you want to see get slapped and messed up. And that's exactly what this match was. Um, the psychology was all the way on point. Stylistically, obviously Danielson's more technical, he's rougher, hits a bit harder, uh, he's gonna out-wrestle Sammy Guevara, but Sammy Guevara is more agile, he's slippery, he's gonna use uh, diversionary tactics, and that's exactly what happened here. Brian Danielson outclassed him as a technical wrestler, but Sammy, with his shock and all, crafted openings. It was his high knee that gave him the advantage to start things off. Later, when it looked like Danielson was in control and we got to the outside, Sammy hit like the springboard moonsault to the outside. So his advantages came from freak athleticism, from things like the double springboard rope moonsault thing that he does that I don't know the name for, but is really awesome. And bits and pieces like that. Uh, you wanted to see Brian Danielson torture this guy in this match, and that's kind of what happened when we get to the finish. You know, Sammy escapes from the little bell lock, and you wonder, oh no, is the bad guy going to win? Is Wheeler Utah going to be proved right? But no. Danielson just inflicts chaotic, horrible punishment on this guy, puts him in the triangle, gets some elbows. Sammy passes out. It is a satisfying conclusion from a match that told the right story with hot action and good drama across the board. Strong character dynamic, good story, good psychology. I mean, what else do you want me to say? It's an op. Backstage next, it's Renee Paquette uh, with Ray Phoenix and Alex Abrahantas. They talk about Penta a little bit, but what we really get down to is that Ray Phoenix wants a shot at the All-Atlantic Championship. Well, oh no, here walks Christian Cage with his right hand of destruction, Luchasaurus. They want a shot as well. In comes Orange Cassidy and he says, let's do it, friends. 
Looks like we're getting that freeway now. So here's what I want to talk about. The, the first down of the show, actually, and I guess it's it's kind of a broader point. It is the interruptions in these backstage segments. Now, it's not necessarily something that uh, I sit there every week and go, hey, this ruined the show. It's nothing like that. It's nothing to that extent. But these things, when they happen every single week, and they've happened multiple times on this show, you had the Soraya Britt Baker segment earlier on as well. Um, they lose their impact a little bit. When you go back to an interview and you kind of know that something like this is going to happen, um, it, it encourages you more to roll your eyes than invest in the story that's being told. So yeah, it's pro wrestling. There are only so many ways you can do things. Uh, this kind of thing has been done for years and years and years. But in AEW, maybe we could limit them to like one every couple of weeks rather than one every couple of hours. I think that'd be a little bit more effective, but I guess it all depends on your enjoyment of the show. It's a down for me, however. Up next, Jamie Hater versus Riho. And sometimes professional wrestling is just really simple. Really simple. You get people with very uh, complimentary styles. You put them in the ring against each other. You tell us that they don't like each other. And it's good. And that's kind of what happens here, man. I really love this, actually. Um, there was definitely a couple of moments where maybe a misstep here or whatever. But it, the thing with stuff like that, for me personally, is that if, like, a slight miscommunication or a mistime or whatever, if it doesn't hamper the flow for you, if it doesn't hamper your enjoyment, who cares? Who cares, man? When this thing connected, it's super connected. I mean, obviously, there's the size and power discrepancy, and they played into that brilliantly. I mean, Riho sells Jamie Hater's work like death. The backbreakers, the lariats, the ripcords, all of that stuff. And it's not like Jamie Hater needs the help. She hits really, really hard, or at least gives the impression that she is hitting really, really hard. So it's just a great pairing. Like, Riho is really good at wrestling to her size. She's evasive. She's super quick. She's not hossing anyone. When she gets like a German suplex as she did here, it comes as a product of momentum rather than anything. It's not, she's not doing like Keith Lee stuff, man. She's not a big bruiser. She wrestles to her size and to her style. And when you're in there with someone like Jamie Hayter who does that on the opposite side of things and is a big hoss and is beefing you around, it's great. And this was really good fun. It concluded with Jamie Hater getting the pinfall on Riho, which I didn't expect. I actually thought they were going to put Riho over, even she had the big comeback last week. But afterwards, Hater's standing tall. She's got Brit with her. She's got Rebel with her. Tony Storm comes out holding the belt, suggesting that maybe we're going to get Jamie versus Tony one-on-one for the title. They will kick the hell out of each other. It'll be a great time. It'll be awesome. It'll be super. It'll be smashing. It'll be great. And yes, you can have conversations that are valid about the positioning of these matches and you know the death slot and all of that stuff I think those are fine points to make um but I think in the past few months man they've really been leveling up at least in the individual performance and the match quality they've been going out there making the most of the time they have Tony Storm's awesome Britt Baker's awesome Jamie Hayter's awesome Riho's awesome it's a really awesome crew of wrestlers they've got here um I don't know when if ever we're gonna see the promised land where we can have two of these matches a week maybe but I'm going to acknowledge the improvement in the women's division. This is an up. Uh, love the people involved. Good stuff. And also, Riho, she outdrew Steph Curry and LeBron James last week. It's definitely true. Uh, so this show's going to do 5 million viewers. Respect the draw. Couple of promos up next. We had Renee Paquette with Eddie Kingston, who's uh, he's not in a good place, is Edward at the moment. He's a little bit off. He's faking a smile. He's saying he's okay. He's talking about John Moxley's world title shot and he's saying, Good luck, John, but everyone else, leave me alone. Ties in to maybe why he didn't help John Moxley a little bit later on. And then we get Darby Allen, which straight up I'm giving an up to because this was really good. 
it was a nice balance, I thought, between the kind of more obtuse stuff that Darby does in these vignettes with the music and the, 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 the facades of opponents and masks on the ranch or whatever, uh, and just a straight-up wrestling promo. He had the music, he had the setting, he had, like, the, the grayscale and all of that stuff. He just talked, really, he spoke really well, explained why Sting wasn't there, said he had a few things he needed to sort out, said he had... He wanted to step away, but Sting said, No, you're the reason I came out of retirement. You're Darby Allen. By gosh, you can't do that, man. And then Jay Lethal, obviously, we'd get him coming in with Satnam Singh and, and Sanjay Dutt. They have their promo. They reaffirmed that last week, you know, they, they trapped him under the door. Very painful, very nasty of them. Said that we've learned your biggest secret from someone. Uh, Darby's kind of goading them in. Come on, come on, what you got, guys? And they are responding in kind. I'm giving this segment an up. It was really tasty across the board. I think they're going to have a good match. Jay Lethal is really good in that kind of heel who doesn't necessarily need to go over vibe. And Darby probably needs to start picking up some wins at this stage as well. He's, um, you know, still very over, still very popular, still very entertaining. But it'd be nice to see him go on a little run. It's good stuff. Then we get to the main event, and it's Penta versus John Moxley for the AEW World Title. I, I mean, come on, like the build to this wasn't the most. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. This was a bomb fest. Uh, this was all about two very hard, tough guys being very hard tough guys and not wanting to go down. It was about hitting the big bombs progressively until somebody could get up no longer. That's why they were going for their finishes really early on. That's why Penta went for the fear factor almost right away. It's why Moxley went for the paradigm shift and it's why Penta went straight up into John Moxley's face with the zero miedo, all of, all of that stuff. John Moxley just did that. It's rude. Rude doing that in a man's face. John Moxley, you little rascal. They were dropping hell all over the place. They were chopping each other up. They were dropping them on their heads. It was a good time. Um, there's quite a bit to unpack here, bro. So we'll get to it with the conclusion. But in the end, John Moxley wins. He hits a paradigm shift and then the Death Rider version of that, the idea being that we've gone through all this hell, we've survived these bombs, I need to hit my finisher and my superized version of the finisher to put you away, otherwise you're going to just get back up. So that's the story of the match, I understand that. And look, I am giving the match itself an up. I thought this was a good match, but I'm also giving a down because, man... Pentagon and his in-ring offense. Um, this has been a diminished thing that has happened over a while, and Cody obviously did it in his feud with Penta a while ago, but some of these bombs that he drops, and yes, I guess that this factored into the story of surviving finishers and kicking out and stuff, but the arm snap is just kind of nothing anymore. I mean, it, I just go back to the days when that meant instant death, particularly when he was in Lucha Underground and it was this big protected thing and Moxley kicked out of a fear factor here as well, which is the package pile driver, which is just an awesome killer move. And I think it's a little bit of a shame. I think that Pentagon could benefit now, either from moving away from these moves now that they've essentially, we've gotten to the point where they don't mean a whole lot and it's harder to take them seriously as match enders, or they need to be rehabilitated. Um, I would like to see him go on a spree of just killing people with these things, if that's at all possible after the damage has been done, and if not, come up with something new. So I am giving that a supplementary down. Um, it, is it a nitpick, Eel? What, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a nitpick, really, but it's where I'm at with it. But, you know what did feel great? Was the post-match. You knew you were getting something, right? When NJF told the firm to stay the hell away, you knew some kind of development was coming later in the evening. And boy, did it arrive. 
The firm invaded the ring, or all of them. Big Bill Morrissey, <laughs> Lee Moriarty, the guns, Ethan Page, everyone's there. Uh, and they just destroy these dudes who've just had this hard title match. Moxley, of course, they destroy John Moxley, which is specifically what MJF said not to do. They beat them down, they beat them up, they smack them around until MJF comes out. And boy, is he conflicted because he wants Moxley at 110%. But the thing about Mo- uh, MJF character-wise is that he's still a prick. So he's like, ah, oh, should I do it? Should I save this guy? He goes back and forth and ultimately he opts to save him. He comes in the ring, he separates the firm from John Moxley and then he dies. Then he gets his ass beat by all of them. Uh, the firm take control of the situation, they beat MJF up. It ultimately concludes in Big Bill Morrissey putting him through the table on the outside of the ring. Boom, 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 job done. MJF painted as a sympathetic figure in this angle, as he has been leaning into pretty much since he came back. So there's a lot of interest. Yeah, it's an up, obviously. Um, But yes, there's a lot of interesting things to unpack here. I really enjoy Stokely Hathaway making a power move. I like him taking control of this situation and going, actually, MJF, I'm the chess master. You're not playing me. I'm going to play you. I like that because often in his AEW run, Stokely's kind of been like the secondary figure in his stories and alignments and associations and all of that stuff. So good, good stuff there for Big Stoke. A little advancement, but also the MGF alignment stuff is super interesting. I don't think this was a full-on face turn at all. I think they're playing into traits and I think we're only a couple of weeks away from him doing something really dastardly and reminding you that he is indeed the devil. Was asking for devil worshippers on this show, wasn't he? That was that was an interesting move. A lot of Norwegian black metal or something going on there. But yeah, really great layered nuanced storytelling with fine details. The kind of stuff that you'll love to see from AEW at its best. So unless my my counting is completely wrong, I think we're on ten ups and two downs. That's I'm a generous guy. I'm a positive guy, but I enjoyed the show. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.